Our text today is Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And ever fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest your foot strike against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Today we begin this way to the cross, and we have Jesus engaging and interacting with Satan. But the the way of the cross really started all the way back in the Garden of Eden when, when an angel created to be good but became filled with pride and hungry for power whispered into the ear of humanity that one question which plagues us still today, did God really say? And it was literally all downhill from there. In our lesson today, Jesus steps onto the world stage and together works with Satan. Satan again tries to twist God's word and deceive Jesus. And at each turn, Jesus constantly says, it is written. And Jesus announces the end of Satan's reign of terror in this world. And he gives us this incredible example of how to resist temptation by Answering the question, did God really say, with God really did say, it is written. But this is so much more than just a great example of how Jesus gives us to resist temptation. Because if this were all this was, is is Jesus letting you know, all you need to do is memorize some scripture verses, and every time you're tempted, boom, it's like magic, it just disappears. There is something much more going on beneath the surface in this text. This battle was far more than just showing an example. Because this work of salvation that Jesus is up to is not just a single moment in time, right? When when Jesus died on the cross and he breathed out those words, it is finished, we usually point to that and go, "That, that is where our sins were forgiven. But the salvation work of Jesus Christ is something that's much, much larger than than a one-moment exhale on Good Friday. It started with his birth, when God was incarnate, wrapped up in human flesh, when he lives his life as the perfect and holy Lamb of God, free from sin. And so Jesus stepping into this wilderness moment right now is this opportunity for him to go toe-to-toe with Satan and walk away victorious. See, if Jesus would have stumbled at just one small step in this temptation, he would no longer be the perfect sacrifice and his death on the cross would be meaningless. So you can't separate these moments of Jesus' saving work from his, his birth, his temptation, his his teaching, his miracles, his death, his ascension, 
his rising and his ascension and his promised return, these are all together, working together to save you. And if you pull any one of those pieces out of the equation, it no longer works. And so what's happening here is Jesus is showing and proving and making a statement, there is nothing, Satan, that you can do that will make me violate the law of God. And Jesus drives out the devil. In this, he faces three very distinct temptations that I believe we can summarize into three different thoughts that will encapsulate all of our sin. He deals with temptation of appetite, temptations of acceptance, and temptations of ambition. And I believe that we can roll all of our temptations that we encounter on a day-to-day basis into those three things. So let's take a look at first the, 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 the temptations of appetite. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. See, whenever we hunger for anything more than God, that quickly turns into an idol. And that idol never fully satisfies us. It drives us deeper and deeper into it, seeking what what we cannot provide. And it gets to that core pain inside. And some of you feel this pain today, is that I deserve that. I deserve that. I had a moment when this this came flooding into my life. because this appetite thing has nothing, has, well, it doesn't have nothing to do. It has so much more to do than just what we eat, our, our physical appetite. But it's our, it's our greed, it's our lust, it's our desire, it's our, our yearning for what we don't have. My first call was in North Idaho, small little community. And in the summertime, it had a thriving classic car uh, culture. And everybody had their winter car and their, their summer car. And the summer cars were amazing. But it, you couldn't drive the summer cars in the winter because they didn't salt the roads, they, they sanded the roads. And by sand, I mean pea gravel. It was horrible. So you drove your junky car in the winter with good traction, and you drove your classic car, restored car, in the summer. And so I went into this, it's like a candy store, really. I walked into it, and they have all kinds of things, like, like fully restored uh, beetles that they were selling for ridiculous amounts of money. They had a, a DeLorean that was sitting over here. That was really cool. And they had Jaguars and, and V12s and V10s. And I was just like, this is so incredible. And I walked through, and there, shining light down from heaven was a 1975, built the exact same week I was born, 1975 Porsche Brown 11, 911. I was in love. And I'm looking at this car. This car is beautiful on the outside. I didn't know all the problems that were on the inside. And it's beautiful. And I'm looking in, and and, and the guy, salesman, opens the door, invites me to sit down. And it's like the car just hugs you. It's like... And the words that the salesman said, you deserve this. Like, oh yeah, (laughs) I so deserve this. Uh, And this was a moment where I went against the better judgment and wisdom of my wife, who told me that would be a bad idea. And she was absolutely positively right. And I trust her implicitly now, because that thing, even though I could afford it, I couldn't afford to maintain it, and it was a money pit. But that temptation of you deserve this, 
Take one more bite. Take one more lustful glance. You deserve this, is what the enemy's whispering in your ear. It's such a powerful lure. And there's a fear behind it. There's a fear that drives it. And there's this fear is that I will never have enough. I will never have what I need. Sometimes when we interact with God, we, we engage with that same kind of line of thinking of, God, when I pray to you for, for someone to be healed or something important to happen, and you say, no, I deserve that. Why are you not giving me what I deserve? God, why don't you make your will my will? And we grumble in our suffering as opposed to rejoicing in them. So that's the first one, ambition. Excuse me, appetite. The second one is acceptance. Then the devil took him to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. These are scary verses because this, is, this means that Satan knows Scripture. Let that sink in. The enemy knows the Word of God. He knows it better than you do. And what this means is not everybody who quotes to you Scripture verses intends it for your good. But to take the Word of God and twist it just a little bit, almost barely perceivable, can lead you down a, a direction that is not healthy for you to go. So we need to learn the Word well enough that when we hear people quote Scripture to us, that we need to be able to measure what we know about God's Word and what He says so that we can see if what other people are telling us are lining up correctly. That we are to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest His Word. And for me personally, that inwardly digestion, that's really where the rubber meets the road. That's where I start to see God applying His truth to my life, breathing His words into me, that I'm not just reading it, I'm not just taking notes, I'm not just memorizing it, but I'm inwardly digesting it, I'm considering it, I'm thinking about it, I'm praying about it, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to show me what does this speak to me. And here's this, here's this fear with this temptation of acceptance. as a fear of wondering the question, does God truly care about me? Does God truly care about me? Does God really care about me enough to save me? But some of us have family or friends or maybe even our, our own selves who, who ask that question. With everything that's happening in my life, does God really love me? When I pray for God to, to make bad things in my life stop and they don't stop, does He care? And this core issue right here is, is guilt and the thought that I will never be enough. I'll never be enough. See, the temptation is to find approval in all kinds of earthly sources but finding the approval of humanity is impossible. But yet, out of fear of rejection, we constantly strive to please other people. And if humanity approves of us, 
then we're probably going along the flow with society and, and not being led by the Spirit as Jesus was in our text today. And it seems to me that this whole temptation of acceptance, well, you, you throw social media into this mix and it's just gasoline poured onto a fire. Just gasoline poured onto our fire to fuel this temptation even more. You know, there's so many people who are longing for, for, for likes or follows or shares or retweets or whatever you do on TikTok. I have no idea. But every time you get that ding, it fills you with adrenaline that somebody approves of you, somebody likes you, somebody thinks that what you just shared or saw was valuable to them. And if you don't get any, do you even matter? And all the comparisons that we make. Nikki and I had a conversation a couple years ago that uh, it used to be that you would just compare yourself to the boys and girls in your class. But today, because of social media, you compare yourself to the world and everybody who's on it. How in the world could anybody stand up in that comparison. Now, the issue here is with weakness and strength. Excuse me, that's the third, third one. So we have these temptations of appetite and acceptance, and then the third one is ambition. And here the issue is, is weakness versus strength. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. You can almost envision this like a, like a science fiction movie where Satan takes him up to this high place and just kind of spins the world and he sees all of the different kingdoms in the world simultaneously. And he says, all of these I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. And essentially what Satan is saying is, I know you think that you're going to get this kingdom of God thing off the ground, but you're going to have to suffer to do it. I can give you a shortcut that doesn't go to the cross, that involves no pain, just worship me, and it's all yours. Ambition, what drives you? The core issue here is shame with the statement that I will never do enough. And so if, whether you've asked your question, I'll never have enough, I'll never be enough, or I'll ever do enough, those are the core of all of our sin and this temptation of ambition, this fear that, that, that we've not done enough. And it drives us to accomplish all that we can to build up our own kingdom to show other people that we indeed are enough. But that just leads to pride and an eventual destruction. And, and I've had conversations with, with several of you and just wondering, and, and you've shared with me, Ty, I don't know if I've done enough for God. How do I know when I've done enough? And usually I laugh and go, you haven't, because <laughs> no one has. There's not a single person in this room, myself included, who has done enough to please God, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Do you get that? It's not what you do that saves you. It's what Jesus has done that saves you. He calls you his own baptized child is what saves you. You just simply receive that grace, let it wash over you and say, thank you, Lord. Now, these three temptations, appetite, 
approval or acceptance and ambition. These are three shifts that we constantly move from one to the other throughout our lives. And some seasons we struggle with, with maybe a primary one of ambition. We just have this huge drive, but because of that huge drive, maybe we also succumb to a secondary uh, acceptance that I want to do all that I can to please people so that I can continue to achieve. Now, there have been different seasons in my life where I've seen myself in, in one or two or all three of them wrapped together. And when I fear not having enough, my appetite drives me to destructive habits. When I fear not being enough, my ambition leads me to accomplish more for my glory. When I fear not being valued enough, my approval leads me to cater to humanity rather than to God. Now today, I would have to say if I was being completely honest, which I, I do my best to be up here, it's easy for me to shift into ambition, right? Being afraid of not filling the huge shoes that I have in front of me. And that secondary would be, would be approval, being driven to find approval in others by the work that I do in order to feel like I'm filling those big shoes. But see, whenever we turn to one of these three things, the, the ambition or the, the acceptance or the, or the appetite, instead of to God, instead of bringing our worries and concerns to the cross, we find ourselves in trouble. But Jesus, in this text today, does far more than just give us the example of how to face temptation. He gives us a way through it, right? Jesus delivers us from evil. And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus' face-to-face -face confrontation with the devil is a part of God's eternal plan for salvation. Jesus must be tempted so that he could resist that temptation and maintain his status as the pure Lamb of God. And he's overcome Satan again and again and again. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I can barely go six hours and I get those hunger pains. But after 40 days, it takes a incredible toll on a person's body, physically, emotionally, mentally. In the world of recovery, we teach this acronym HALT, H-A-L-T, which stands for hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And I like to put an S on the end, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, stressed. And whenever you come up to feeling hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or stressed, that is when you are most vulnerable to temptation. That is when you are most likely to make a bad mistake. So not did Satan just catch Jesus on a good day, Jesus. He caught him on a bad day. So I don't think we can make the argument that Jesus was angry um, because he's, he's Jesus. Uh, and I don't think we could say that he was lonely because he was led by the Holy Spirit. He's in the presence of the Father. But you can make a really good argument that he was absolutely hungry. He was absolutely tired. And he kept God's law perfectly. He redeems our appetites. He became needy so that we could be satisfied. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do we actually believe that if we spent more time in the word, reading, marking, learning, and inwardly digesting it, that we would be transformed by the power of life in Christ? That inwardly digesting for me is so important, like I said before. Temptation's doubts can be dissolved with the truth that we find in God's Word. 
and he's redeemed our approval and our acceptance. Jesus was rejected by men, rejected even by his Father, so that we never would be. So that the Father always looks at us and says, you are my son, you are my daughter, with whom I am well pleased. You are my son, you are my daughter, whom I love. And he redeems our ambition. See, Jesus became weak so that we could be made strong. And Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Those are powerful words that Jesus uses, and we should not be afraid to say them out loud when we feel like we are being under attack. To be gone, Satan. In the name of Jesus, you have no place in my life. You have no power over me. Be gone. They carry far more power and authority than our own words. And we remember that it is not our own works, not our own good things that we do, not our own mistakes that we make that, that determine whether or not we are in eternity with God, but it is the work of Jesus conquering sin, death, and the power of the devil that we might be saved. So I want you to think of these three temptations and maybe where you are in your life today. And I'd like that to be a conversation that you have around your lunch table. What is it that you're struggling and wrestling with most today? Is it ambition? Is it your appetite? Or is it your need to feel accepted? And then pray for each other today. Pray that we remember that Jesus doesn't just give us an example of what to do when we're tempted. He gives us a way through it. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we praise you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, who has done so much already for us and continues to love and serve us. God, we, we know that this life is filled with all kinds of temptations. We pray that you would send your Holy Spirit, that he would lead us, that he would be with us just as he was with Jesus to fill us up with every good thing that we need to do to resist temptation, to do a better job resisting but to know that when we fail, when we fall short, that we always can come to you. That it's because Jesus was perfect that he was able to be our perfect sacrifice for sin. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.